छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Welcome to Don't Read the Latin, where we have a special guest tonight. We do indeed. Hello, I'm Jillian Venters of GothicCharmSchool.com. So, <laughs> the reason primarily that in... I'm Jennifer did, Lovely. I was about to say, did you introduce yourself? Because I no. didn't introduce myself. Okay. <laughs> She's Jennifer Lovely. I'm Michael Montour, and we are your nor- usual hosts. I was about to say normal hosts, but God, no, that's a lie. that's a lie. <laughs> uh, here, don't read the Latin. So, <clears throat> now that we are in our new dystopian world. Dear God. Yeah. Our original goal with the election coming up, which we had been ever so optimistic about, and uh-huh. we were all like, you know, it's all going to end okay. It's going to be fine. Um, we had the ha 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 moment of, hey, why don't we do political movies in dystopian horror? Yeah, so I was thinking we could talk about things like, um, the dead, the dead zone. Oh yeah. And and, and the purge movies. uh, They live. They live. live. You know, but we decided And then real dystopia happened. Yeah. And I believe your comment was that no one wants to listen to an hour and a half of sobbing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think an hour and a half of listening to me cry into the microphone is going to be very entertaining. Um, So then we decided to go in a different direction. We decided to go with monstrous feminism, our monstrous, the monstrous feminine. feminine. Um, and and a although discussion... what you said first is not entirely wrong, yeah, no, no, it is and, not. And a discussion of feminism in, in horror, um, and had we not kind of done this at last moment, last moment, there's a whole bunch of books that I have bought that I have very much planned on reading, which I know that you two have have gone over in more. Th- Thrown well, a little bit. I, I haven't yeah. actually looked at the books, but I, I did read articles about the books. Yeah. Um, and uh, because there's a bunch of really, really good books out there discussing. There is, um, uh, oh God, what's the one in well, chainsaws? The, the, there's, uh, but men, there's women in chainsaws. Men, women in chainsaws. Which I have your copy of. Oh, that's why I couldn't find yes, it. Yes, that's why I couldn't find it. It's at my house. Um, there, there is the monstrous Just feminine. feminine. There is, and there was another one that I pulled out. There's one about the monstrous feminine in YA. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's Monstrous Bodies. Oh, it's the Feminine Power in Young Adult Horror Fiction. Yeah, which is one I really also want to read, and I've heard good things about it, and I've seen excerpts from it. That one I didn't even know existed, so yeah, I would like to check that one out as well. You know, because this one has, this this episode has been a long time in coming, um, and just to be really, really honest, I think we all needed just something to yell about, because... Basically. Yes. Because we've all passed grieving. No, well, we're we're worked our way past in grieving for the next four years, four years. Yeah. basically. Hopefully, only four years. Yeah. Um, but we're we're all hitting the point. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to hold up is one of the best things that I have seen come from this election is the fact that people are realizing that there does need to be that the change needs to start with the individual. I see so many people reaching out. I see so many people. 
uh, donating to causes that they know are going to get defunded. People reaching out to each other and saying, what can I do to help? What are actions I can take? Even to the point of just checking in with people you know and saying, are you doing okay? Mm -hmm. No one's doing okay. How are you holding up? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, the thing that really hit me today was I saw a comment from somebody that that was trying to say, well, that's not protesting, that's just rioting. And their definition of it's just rioting seemed to be, I don't approve of what you're you're going against, so you're just being messy in, in rioting. <laughs> right. Well, the, the main distinction I've heard between protesting and rioting is when people start, you know, destroying property. Like, I don't know, say, for example, Sports crates fan. of tea in Boston. Uh, then, <laughs> yeah. then that's a riot. But, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> well, and then when, you know, enthusiastic white men celebrate a sports team winning or losing and they destroy everything it's just over enthusiastic celebration yeah Mm -hmm. but when you know protesting people of color (laughs) are just in a large group together it's um it gets terrible and it should be they should all be arrested and right yeah um so pretty much it just seems like the definition between protesting and rioting is i don't like what you're talking about Anyhow. So basically right now we're angry and we hate everything. Is that, uh, that yeah. about covers? Yeah, I think okay. we're just angry. I don't angry. hate everything. Okay. I don't hate everything, but I do seesaw between mind-numbing grief and being really, really angry about yeah. everything. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, in preparation for... I have seen the original Pre- uh, Purge movie and I wasn't terribly impressed with it. It, wasn't, it was fine. It was a fine enough movie. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, I neither disliked it or... or really liked it um i skipped seeing the second movie which i've heard of there's a couple of people whose opinions i do like i think it was better than the first movie but it's also even less of a horror film than the first one was well, it's a the lot third more movie, actiony and the third movie is entirely an action movie yeah so at least they seem but to know where they're going with this they did and they said that this is it that they're not going okay. to do anymore it was meant to only be a trilogy oh. which when has that ever stopped anybody yeah but, never but you know in the bottom line is i really enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun. I look forward to them coming out with The Purge, the final chapter. (laughs) And then the next one after that. Right, yeah. (laughs) I've never seen any of The Purge movies, but um, I have been through The Purge Zone at Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. So I have... It's a very interesting experience because not having seen the movies, but this... Not this past year, but the year, year before when they had it set up that was down on the back lot and you had to take the, the terror tram to get to that area and then do the walkthrough of it. And going down the escalators at Universal Studio, which are huge, vertiginous, mind-numbing things, they had video screens playing all of the fake news clips of people Perfect. going to the purge parties. Yeah. And about, you know... Yeah. This is what you can expect. You know, we're having shuttles that are taking you to where the purge parties are, and the piles of puppies for the kids, and coloring books, oh and all God. this. And because I knew about what the purge movies were, I'm like, oh, that's very clever. When you got down to the main uh, concourse where you go line up for the for the buses for the terror tram, they actually had. Uh, news commentators in their perfect suits with their perfect blown out blonde hair coming around and asking people, you know, are you really excited? How are things? And of course, Pete, my husband, just looking at them blankly and going, I have no idea what you people are about <laughs> at all. And, and me giggling. But, but that's basically just what Pete does in America constantly. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's pretty so, much where he's at right yeah. now. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, is there anything that Jillian... Is there anything that you have watched um, in the last while uh, that you haven't seen with us? 
Um, not that I haven't okay. seen with you guys. So, All right. I mean, there I have I have recently read something because uh-huh. uh, uh, Kim Newman, the author of the Anna Dracula oh, yeah. series, a bunch of his earlier books are back in print and being put out in these beautiful uh, trade paperback size omnibuses. And there is one called uh, Bad Dreams, which is, it, the tagline was something like missing people, Soho fetish parties, and vampires that steal your dreams. Mm-hmm. And so it was very interesting to read. So he wrote a book for you. He wrote <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. And so it was very interesting to read one of his earlier works and see where a lot yeah. of his ideas came from. Mm-hmm. Because I could definitely track where things that he has since gone on to do in the Anna Dracula series got ported into it, which was a lot of fun. And I picked up another book of his called The Angel of Music, which is, it takes the idea of the Phantom of the Opera, but but the Phantom is actually this spy master overlord that has, sends all of his operatives out to disrupt things. Okay. So, so he's the shadow. Yeah, it, it's, it's he refers to them as Eric's angels. So there's the angel of music and the angel of propaganda. And I, I would read those. Yes, I'll, I'll loan it to you when I'm done with it. Oh, no, no, no. It, 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 you, you, you don't don't loan me books. Oh. Send him the title. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, or don't loan me anything unless like Jan, you're over at my house and you can just take it get off get my back. shelf without me noticing. Okay. I still need to get that back. No, you don't have to get that back what? to me. But I, uh, but I didn't give it back to you. Yeah, I just took it. I just took it back. <laughs> that is not a bad and, and for a second, I was upset. And then I was like, what? why am I upset? It, it's hers. What? I, just, mm-hmm. So that was a very confusing day for me. <laughs> And then you got better. Yeah. So uh, you may recall from, from uh, last episode, I said that I was was definitely going to make a point of starting to, to write down the movies that, that we had seen, uh, that I had seen uh, in the intervening weeks. And I totally didn't do that, like, at all. So um, I remember what I saw last night, and I can remember what I saw a few days ago. I'm sitting ago. here making a face because I know... No one's going to know you're making a face. Well, that, I guess that's why you just said so. <laughs> is I know that there is something I went to see with Jim... And for the life of me. You didn't write it down? Apparently wow, okay. not. Huh. God. Oh, no, it's catching. Apparently. Anyway, yeah. okay. So, um, go ahead. What did you see last night? So, what I saw last night is, is not directly horror-related, but there were definitely parts of it that were, that were pretty damn scary. And what I saw was a reconstruction of one of the lost episodes of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Uh, Power of the Daleks, which was the, the second Doctor's first episode. The reason there are lost episodes in the first place is because at some point in the early 70s, the BBC decided, we've got color television now. We're never going to show any of this old black and white stuff again. Let's get rid of it. Yep. They just, oh my goodness. Yeah. And so the fact that there, is, that there are any black and white episodes survived is um, just purely due to the fact that they did kind of a half-assed job of getting rid of them. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, but the, the audio... The, the soundtracks of all the episodes still survives because fans recorded them off the air oh, in yes. the days before VCRs. <laughs> we just listen yep. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, they have finally done what I've wanted them to do for years, and that's take uh, an episode where no parts of it survive and just animate the entire thing. That's wonderful. That's so cool. It was really great. The animation was not perfect, yeah. but the the main thing is that they, they did somehow manage to capture... Uh, the expressiveness that Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor, had. And he had such an expressive face. Yeah. So that's clearly what they put the most of their work and effort into. Good. And I feel like it paid off. And it was a really interesting story. Because like I said, it was the first episode of the second Doctor. So they hadn't 
had any hints before that this is something the doctor could do. Right. You know, people in, in 1967, I think it was their year, um, just tuned in and suddenly one, one week William Hartnell wasn't there anymore. Right. And these days when the doctor regenerates, that, that first episode, they're kind of, you know, making the fans comfortable with it as best as they can. This is the new guy. This is what he's like. Everything's going to be fine. This gave no fucks. It did not set out to make you comfortable at all. The new doctor kept referring to the old doctor in the third person. Oh, okay. oh wow. For one thing. Yeah. And and was so different and, and very cagey and uncommunicative. And so so the whole thing really plays with is this what it appears to be? Okay. Because when they end up on this planet, the, the doctor uses these false credentials to be, you know, this inspector from Earth. And mm-hmm. so those people are trying to figure out, is he who he says he is? Right. And also there's the these robots that these people have found in this crashed spaceship. These really useful, helpful-looking robots that if they get them up and working, then, you know, they can help out around the colony, except these robots are actually Daleks, Daleks. and they oh! ignore... <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the Daleks are just playing along with this. And it's really, really creepy. And I don't... I can't put my finger on how, but the, the 60s episodes with the Daleks just have this real sense of dread and creepiness and menace that they just don't have so much anymore in... in uh, yeah. more recent years and that even came through just in the animation so That's that was cool. that was a lot of fun and i'm glad i got to go see that nice uh the only other movie that i can remember watching at all recently was a a, uh, a rewatch with uh my new girlfriend adara who probably is never going to get around to listening to this episode because she hasn't started listening to our podcast at all <laughs> but that's okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I found out that she hadn't seen The Final Girls and that's just Aww. such a fantastic movie yeah, that, yeah. that I had to show it to her and and she laughed in all the right places and oh, cried in all the right places, places. places. and yeah. just afterwards she was like that is amazing that is, that is yeah. one hell of a movie yeah. so, so that was good I, was I can I think of something that, that uh, we watched together because I, I contacted uh-huh. you and said let's go see a movie oh yeah hey and yeah. Uh, we went and saw Mike Flanagan's new movie The Ouija Origin of Evil mm-hmm which um, was totally adequate. Totally adequate. <laughs> we we both liked it more than Blair Witch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, it was a decent story. It was not on par with the other things that Mike Flanagan has directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did a really interesting take of something that wasn't his. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me re-watch uh, the original Ouija. Uh, I've never seen it. It's The thing is with the original Ouija, it's a very passable like if you were just flipping through netflix looking for a mediocre horror movie it is exactly that okay uh and, and if you are looking for a mediocre horror movie netflix has so much many to of them Ooh, yes it has, has them in abundance <laughs> yes I, I've never understood why I see recommended for you one star, one star, once. Are you saying I like shit? Is that that's what you're trying to tell me? It's Netflix? some of what you like. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was it was entertaining. It really lost. Um, it lost what charm it did have with the ending. I would say the origin. Of the yeah, I think so. One. Uh, but it was it was still entertaining uh, and. Um, I will say that the ending killed off a character that I did not really expect it to. Yeah. Um, so that was... It, it wasn't as predictable as it, as it could have been. So okay, because the advertising campaign made it look completely yeah. predictable. It kind of was. It, it, um, it mostly was. But... It mostly was, but it was it was um, interestingly filmed and it brought people... Uh, the older sister is played by the girl who plays the young... Um, 
Karen, Karen Gillan. Oh, right. Uh, okay. the, the one who plays the young her in Oculus okay, so that's is, why she the, looks older sister, is the older right. sister okay. in Ouija. Because Mike Flanagan is one of those directors who he really likes to go back to people he's continued to use. Yeah. And maybe he also just really likes leggy redheads. I mean, I'm not going to judge. Dude, there's nothing to complain about Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> people are so cute. <laughs> so are leggy redheads. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, and I rewatched Ouija, which is, you know, thoroughly passable and, a, you know, um, a, a, a mediocre horror. It, you know, it's not it's not the very worst thing horror wise I've I, ever seen. I, I would say, you know, with, with the origin of evil, you wouldn't hate yourself for watching it, but you might hate yourself for paying full price in the theater for it. Yes. So if yes. you want to wait until it comes out on your, your local favorite streaming service, that's probably a good idea. So... One of the things I do is I put a lot of effort into not specifically being negative. I don't want even this podcast to be about what I don't like in horror. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the times I will say, um, it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my bag. I am just so disappointed because I had so looked forward to this movie called The Mind's Eye. And it just, in a lot of ways... Uh, felt like it was just made for me. It's got Graham Skipper and uh, Lauren Ashley Carter from Jugface and uh, Larry Fessenden, which he is pretty much just, he is he is a person that if he is in a movie, I will watch it because I just adore spotting him places. Mm-hmm. And right. I have a giant old crush on Larry Fessenden, which I am probably the only woman in the world to make I, that I claim. I think that might be true. Yeah. yeah. yeah I just, he, I'm he's just like so... the less attractive Ron Jeremy in some ways. I mean, yeah. And, and, and uh, who's to say about I, anything I, I, else I, in that I, comparison? I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to edit this part out. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, he doesn't look like Ron Jeremy at all. <laughs> with that but that's wrong um anyway but he all should... i ask for my friends is for them to play wrong with things that are wrong that come out of my ah, mouth you're not, just really... you're not. yeah yeah okay yeah. i'm typically in for that sort of foolishness uh and and the poster for i mean look at look at that poster i mean it just looks amazing oh yeah we will have to post that on the yeah. on the site so that people know what what the hell we're talking yeah, about yeah right Laura, just google the mind's eye it it is a beautiful looking poster um I was really excited. I watched, and the trailer looks, you know, you're looking at it, you're going, this is a lower budget movie. Okay. Sure. And it's also the guy, and, and honestly, had I put a little more thought into it, um, it is the guy who did Almost Human, the movie that came out oh, right, right. Um, a couple of years ago. And I didn't like that either. Um, yeah, we were talking about that last episode, but I can't remember why. And it just, it just wasn't good enough. It really, you could tell that there was a lot of Cronenbergian, um, inspiration behind sure. the movie uh but there was also a lot of lucas in it where you took amazingly wonderful actors and suddenly they became not hmm. uh it just mm. the, the the quality of the acting it just there's lots of grimacing and which a lot of grimacing <laughs> in, in constipation face where if, if this had been like i don't know does constipation porn exist of I want to watch an hour and a half of people really struggling to don't, go. Six, no, don't Google. Don't, don't, don't Google. <laughs> don't Google. But, but I wanted to answer Jen's question. Don't Google. And, you'll, okay. I'm sure you'll regret it. Um, and it just it in in the uh, the acting was you know typically if you have one person who's kind of dropping the ball and it really did have one person who was 
really horrifically dropping the ball in the acting department. And there's times where you can overlook that. Right. It it just wasn't good enough. And, uh, and the story just didn't feel original enough. Um, but... That and was it also, just was so dis- I was so disappointed because I had really I'm looked forward to, to it. Yeah. I, that that was my main problem with, with uh, Ouija Origin of Evil is that it didn't feel like there was anything really original to it, which was a shame yeah. because Mike Flanagan's previous work, you, you can't has, say that about Everything it. Yeah. has been original. Everything yeah. has been fantastic because it's all, always been him and his wife writing, and they are really good. Yeah. They're really good. I... You know, um Did she not write this? Is that No, it? this isn't so, their this isn't their um this isn't their product at all. Right. Um This was a paycheck movie? Yeah. And I have no problem I, yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, I totally you support know, that. You know, I, yeah. But, I want the people who make the indie films I like to, to get money later on. Yes. Oh, uh, Origin of Evil yes, was right, definitely right, yeah, a paycheck right. movie. Uh, the Mind's Eye was I don't know what that was. Anyhow, one in my bag. I uh, didn't enjoy it very much, and and it made me really sad because I'd really had very high hopes for it. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up just because I watched Finding Dory with Tekla. Uh huh. I cried so much. I haven't watched it yet, and but I know I'll cry. The and partially the reason why I cried so much is we had had a discussion about the new movie that McAvoy is going to be in that. Oh, James uh, McAvoy. Oh, uh, Split. Split. That, and I think this deserves mentioning because mm-hmm. we had talked about, we don't like being negative, but sometimes you need to mention story points that you're tired of, of seeing. Same. Right. And, and one of the things that you said, it was mental illness being used. As, as the bugbear. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At, at, yeah. That's really problematic. And, and I'm, I'm really, you know, tempted by McAvoy's presence. Right. I, I am also tempted by McAvoy's presence. <laughs> I think continually you're tempted yeah, yeah. in different just, ways just, than I am. Yeah, and I'm sure that's true. Totally yeah. not your type at all, but yeah. No. <laughs> um but you know, on the other hand, I'm I'm tired of them using that. Uh, I think it's time to go to a different story and not use Yeah. Uh Oh my god, they're crazy. Yeah. 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 Because that's not doing yeah. but, you know, anyone on, any On the good. other hand, given the whole dissociative identity disorder plot they're pay- playing with, it gives McAvoy a chance to play all these different characters yes, in one and movie, and that. that's and he can do super that. interesting that to me. That is interesting, but... No, but... I, 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 sh- uh, <laughs> we didn't mention yet that it's an M. Night Shyamalan film, which is a reason uh, to avoid it uh... right there. And for me, um, The Visit, I think, was the name of his last film. Yeah. That was the last shot I'm giving him. I watched that and was just like, nope, you, you have used up all the goodwill that the, the Sixth Sense right. and Unbreakable gave you. Yeah. I'm done with you now. Yeah. It's not me, it's you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of McAvoy, also, um, uh, Handsome Boyfriend Jim and I watched X-Men Apocalypse. I still haven't seen that yet. It's pretty, um, but Jim really said it best that um, we are both sick to death of the, the, the driving force behind the story being um, Magneto and Xavier's man pain. Like, it's that's a, the, it's that's okay the only thing spend, I watch the X-Men films for. Though. It's okay for that to have covered, of, you know, of a three-story arc 
for it to be two of the movies, but when you're having it be all three stories, like just reinventing new man pain for them to get past, what See, are you trying you know, to say? There, there's a whole swath of fandom oh, that, sure I, that I know that <laughs> that are all there for the man pain and then them working it out. Yep. And that is a euphemism. Oh, it yep. totally is. It totally is. <laughs> and I am just going to say hiding Oscar Isaac under that much prosthetics and paint is just a goddamn shame. Well, it's like when uh, Thor... What was the second movie called? Thor the something world... The Dark yeah. World? Dark World? Something. something? Which was yeah. fucking boring. Uh, Thor fun. World of Darkness? No. That, no. That would be, that would be something else. Well, that would be hilarious. Uh, the second Thor movie. Let's yes. just go with that. Um, putting Christopher Eccleston under all that makeup oh. and having him speak an invented language for, for 90% of his lines. Uh, <laughs> What the I, hell? Guardians of the Galaxy and Lee Pace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know it was Lee Pace until after the movie. And I was like, what? Yeah, that that was a waste right there. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing someone's joke that um, apparently all of um, Karen Gillan's hair, uh, uh, acting talent is in her hair. Because, See, I don't go because, along with that at all. Because it was ne- all gone. Nebula like, was a very restrained character, she but was. that was a good performance. It was yes, a good performance. it was. It wasn't. It wasn't my comment. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the point I was going to make with uh, Finding Dory is, um, speaking of uh, mental illness or a disability, a lot of it was um, Dory working with her disability right which there are oh, some yeah. complaints of you know if that is her disability how the fuck did it's a fucking cartoon but hand wave it and uh it was her realizing that there's things she's lost due to her disability finding a way to work with her disability and the relationships in spite of her disability that she has established that are important to her and that there are many of them and they are with different people, and she's built them in different ways. Right. That sounds kind of great. It was kind of fucking awesome. I, cool. I, I, when I'm sitting here, and Tekla is just, <laughs> my poor kid, seven years old, and there are times where I'm watching movies, and I'm just like, I might be silent, or I might be making the, <laughs> and there's <laughs> yeah. just tears pouring, and she's just like, she will sometimes, she'll just hand me Kleenex. Oh, she did that to me. One oh. of the times I babysat her, and we watched movies, and we watched Lilo and, and Stitch, and I lose it like I always do in watching Lilo and Stitch and she went and got the Kleenex because handed it to me. on the other side of it I think what it's pointing out to her is that an expression of sadness and empathy is a completely normal thing. Yes. So I'll get that. And and handsome boyfriend Jim looked at me and I'm like you guys I I know I cry. He goes honey it's because it's who you are. Yeah. And that's why we love you. And I'm like <laughs> and then you use the rest of the Kleenex. Yes. Uh, you you just reminded me. That's what else I watched. Uh, also with Adara, uh, is I showed her Rock and Rule. A, no. Which did you guys finish it? Yeah, we okay. did. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's that ending. That is just it still? Kills me. Is it still? Is the song still playing? It, it, the song is still it? stuck in the back of your head. Is oh that god. There is, there's I just don't... something fucking wrong with the world that that soundtrack doesn't exist. I know somewhere. it's just cr- and I mean it literally doesn't if exist. Can, Those recordings yeah, do not exist down. anymore, even yeah. in an archive. Yeah. yeah, I can sing it down. Yeah, if, if yeah, or if I, if, 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 if I, can, I can sing it up. I can sing it back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, and yeah, there were there were there were tears. So many mm-hmm. tears. On a happier note, and um, it's especially heartwarming for me. 
uh, they have released the black and chrome version of Fury Road. Yes. Uh, fucking gorgeous. It's beautiful. That's it, it, what it, I gather. It is beautiful, and it's, it is a very different beast yes. than the color version. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are different... Um, Different points of the movie that gain importance. There's different emotional weight Interesting. things. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And there's... Uh, well, I remember how much of a difference it made for The Mist. Yes. Seeing yes. the black and white version yeah. of it. Yeah. The, the tragically funny story about this. So, um, leading up to the election, Pete and I didn't want to be at home and constantly looking at election results or like well okay hey Fury Road Black and Chrome's playing let's go see that and so we went and saw that and that was beautiful and then the movie ended and Pete pulled out his phone and said going to see a movie about a dystopian version of the future was maybe not a great idea (laughs) and I was like oh yeah yeah." well that was the thing I, I, I didn't end up seeing it because I put it off too long I had plans to see it after the election at which point I canceled them. I, I, I right. called the friend that I was going to see it with and say, no. I, I can't do this. And he no. was like, oh, thank God, I can't either. Yeah. yeah. So so I have to share um, my, my romantic story of Fury Road. I had been complaining that I huh. wanted to see it. <laughs> um, and it was uh, just after I'd, I'd separated um, from my, my daughter's dad. And... Um, a friend of mine that I've known for 17 years um, started casually inviting me to group outings and invited me to, uh, with a group of other people, he was, the invitation was out there for a bunch of people, uh, invited me to go see Fury Road, saying that he knew I really wanted to see it. I went and saw it, and I had been painting that day, and my fingers were all speckled with blue paint, and he grabs my hand and says... Look at look at all this blue. She's turned into a Smurf, and it was that moment of like, holy fucking shit! And I yanked my hand away, <laughs> and then watched the movie and cried because you are and twelve laughed. years old. <laughs> because I was terrified. I had I was ending a decade long marriage, and I didn't think I was going to date. I was going to give myself like a year, and I was not going to. I was going to focus on being a parent. And all of a sudden, I found myself attracted to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that I'd always liked and found attractive, um, and having like a second of, wow, this person could potentially find me attractive too. And so the movie ended, he had planned on asking me out to coffee to see if there was, you know, any chemistry. Mm -hmm. And I ran away like a little fucking bitch. (laughs) I was like, I was like, bye. And he was like, oh, well, I guess there wasn't any chemistry, but continued to reach out to me and offer up little invitations. And, uh, this was, and, and we didn't. Because if that didn't work out, he wasn't going to stop being friends with you. Exactly. Unlike some people that we're not going to mention. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not going to go there. Um, we are not things. We are not. <laughs> <laughs> there are not kindness coins that you can put in your hand until their legs part. Anyhow, uh, we didn't actually end up hanging out together. That was May. Like, May 1st. We didn't actually end up hanging out until nearly the end of July, but he kept in contact That's with right. me. Kept in contact with me, uh, and then when we finally got together again for a second movie uh, in the end of July, uh, handsome boyfriend Jim and I realized there was something really strong between us, and decided we'd see what would happen. And you know, nearly a year and a half later, yep. I'm still pretty fucking happy. So there you go. Uh, it was it was a nice circle, and uh, we took this beautiful. I might actually send it to you. I took this beautiful picture of us in the rain with our hoods up, um, 
under a neon coffee sign because after a year and a half, we finally had that coffee. You've had that coffee. Oh, yeah, we had that they... coffee after after oh, year in a row. It was a really cute photo. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it was just it was a very nice <laughs> end to that. Um, ah. <laughs> See, and she's tearing up now. It's and... shut up. I am not. <laughs> Um, and that's who you are, and that's why we love you. <laughs> that's why we love you. <laughs> on on a different note, um, well, I have seen good movies. I've just seen one bad one. <laughs> on on a different note, um, I'm still sitting here crying. Um, t- horror television has been inspired. Um, I have been watching uh, Channel Zero Candle Cove um, because they're going to have short seasons. Uh, each season is going to be based on a creepypasta. This one is based on Candle Cove. I need to see that because I always loved Candle Cove, the, it, the story. It's, yeah. just... it's really good. Yeah. And um, and I love that it's exactly six episodes. I, is it? I thought after the first couple of episodes you weren't that impressed with it. Did you, did you I, come around on that or am I misremembering? I'm still... when I'm, So the other two things that I'm watching, the apex of the things that I'm watching is Westworld. Right. If you are not watching Westworld, you should be. I, yes, I should. It is uh, <laughs> we will stunning, do and and it has a real part in this story of of what we're going to be discussing tonight, mm-hmm. um, because it is very much strong women, but it's strong women in that sense of ex machina. Oh, where yeah. it's we're going to make them into pretty sex fembots, right? Until they they go, I am not your fucking toy, right? And then they fucking kill you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I will accept my dark power and smite you. Yes. Yep. Um, so Westworld is the apex. Below that is um, is uh, Channel Zero, Candle Cove. It's very solid. Okay, good. Um, I had heard it held up on par with like... Somebody made the grandiose proclamation that it was on par with, like, Battlestar Galactica. They are mm. fucking lying. Um, Battlestar Galactica definitely uh, did not maintain, to me... No. To me. I, to most people, I think, um, though, the level of quality. Though I love uh, Handsome Boyfriend Jim does the same thing with Battlestar Galactica that we do with Penny Dreadful. Oh, right. Those last two episodes just don't, don't exist. Don't exist. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a damn shame that it ended right there when, yeah. I've never with... seen the last two episodes of Battlestar Galactica, so I'm right there with him. No, Jim, for Jim, those first two seasons are so fantastic. It's a shame it got canceled. Yeah. Because like, what, what could they have done if they'd have only I had know, yeah. I I, I, I I feel the same way about Heroes. Just that one season that they did was just so solid. I, mm-hmm. I would love to see where they could have gone, gone with that story. Too bad they never got that yeah, opportunity. It's, yeah. it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, the And, and um, third on that list is um, American Horror Story. Uh, it is losing its luster as the season goes out, but the beginning of the season is inspired. It was... Um, Taking from those true crime TV shows where they have the people talking and then they have the reenactor actors that are right. just a little bit more attractive than they are. Yeah. Yes. And then as for a season two, after everything goes to wrong and people die, mm-hmm. they decide we're going to take it. Um, uh, oh, oh, and there's another show, too. Uh, we're going to take it in a slightly different direction. We're going to go. Uh, what's the MTV show? The real the real, real world? world the real world where we bring the actors 
and the original people all back to this horrible house. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yes, and so okay. it kind of keeps huh. taking... How very metasexual. It yeah. is. It completely yeah. is. And while in the grand scheme of American Horror Story, um, my personal opinion is Hotel and Murder House being kind of the top of the pile with um, Freak Show being in the dung heap of that pile <laughs> um, with Coven only slightly above it it is only slightly dung e not in the dung heap <laughs> but it's 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 gone a different direction okay. though i you know people say well, we'll just keep telling the same story i love i love the idea of places that are so haunted or bad that it not only you, like you can't die and escape it like if you die there you're trapped there i love i love these like mm-hmm. Hell House, Hill House, kind of but like... They, there's a narrative weight that it makes forces yeah. the same events to play out with different people with slightly yes. different details, but the and then, bones and then of the story are the same. And they're all kind of trapped together in yeah. layers of story and layers yeah. of history. And um, and it's all a hell that we're all... I was very... What is it? Sartre? The, you yeah, know, no exit. No exit. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah, there's just a little bit of that. And, okay. Uh, and the other thing that I'm going to say is uh, The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Is I have not seen any of it. I hear it's really good. Yeah, it's, I've heard it's really good. It is amazing. The quality of everybody acting in it. Um, Alan Ruck is fantastic. Who's producing The Exorcist? What channel is it on? Mm, I don't know. I have TiVo. Right. TiVo just right. makes everything be there for me. <laughs> right. Understandable. So Alan Ruck is giving this amazing performance. The two daughters... They aren't actresses that I am familiar with, but are both holding their own with actors and actresses that have been acting for decades. Right. And then uh, they're, at episode, I think, five, they drop a bomb. They go, here's what's happened. And I literally threw my arms in the air and went, boom! Like, you know, <laughs> like, it wasn't even a mic drop. Like, it was like, like you felt... It, it's, uh, it was when, a bomb when that When that noise, when, when they say... When that noise happens, you can kind of feel it hit you in the chest. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. <laughs> it's fantastic. And um, there was an, you know, an episode after where it kind of needed to find its feet again, but it did. Just fucking fantastic. I will end up binge watching it. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah. how I watch all TV yeah, at this same. point. Yeah. I, this is not a hard and fast rule, but I, I almost tend to prefer to wait until TV series have ended. To find out what the people who were fans of them the whole time think of it as a whole. As a whole, So, so like, for example, I didn't watch Battlestar Galactica while it was on. I've seen some of it now, and I will will watch all of it, but I know what to expect. Yeah. Right. You know, same thing with Penny Dreadful. I am very glad I watched Penny Dreadful basically in real time and watched it as it unfolded. But there is definitely a strong case to be made, especially in the case of Penny Dreadful, of knowing the whole arc of what you're exactly. getting and going into it. I mean, this is going to be a problem eventually with The Simpsons. But... <laughs> <laughs> the very last thing I'm going to bring up is I did watch a movie that was uh, directed by Oz Perkins, uh, who is Anthony Perkins' son. Oh, cool. Um, and I think he had three children uh, with his model wife, who nine years after, almost to the day that... Uh, that he had passed from AIDS complication. Um, she died in uh, one of the airplanes of, on uh, 9-11. Oh, wow. Oh, um, so they've lost both their parents, which is just heartbreaking. Um, he directed a movie called I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. 
and it is very much in the style of the movie The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee, where it is a very quiet story in a very dreamy fashion uh, of, of a house and the goings-on in it. Uh, I think there's five actors total, um, whereas in the, the Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee, there's only like two actors in the whole movie. It is literally just a monologue mm-hmm. with a couple of little... You know, you were talking to me about this at dinner, and I couldn't remember if I had had started Mm -hmm. to try to watch it or not, but I did. I remember Mm -hmm. that now, and yeah, I... I I loved it. I found it I found it too dreamy and and could not quite sustain... Then you might not like um, I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, but it's it's beautiful. I hope I do. I'm trying to remember. Some friend of mine really strongly recommended it to me, and I'd love to be able to go back to her her and say, yes, thanks for the recommendation, but... I, I really enjoyed it. It sounds like the sort of thing I would like. And it's very pretty. And um, and it's it's kind of the story of women and the roles that we're trapped in mm-hmm. and how things go wrong sometimes. Right. And uh, it's a very important story. Oh, yeah. I just remember there was another movie that I did see recently, yeah. but that I am not qualified to speak on at all. Yes. Uh, is that I went to see Doctor Strange. Last weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, for those of our our audience who live in who live in other states, Washington is a state where marijuana is legal. <laughs> I cannot recommend <laughs> having marijuana edibles. I, what and then going to see Doctor Strange because oh. you will not follow the damn thing at all. It's real pretty. I'm glad I pointed my head at it. I couldn't tell you what it was about. Um, I have broad strokes of the plot in my head, but at any given moment, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I have not seen it yet, but <laughs> according to friends of mine who have seen it in a non-chemically altered state, <laughs> it's very pretty. They have broad strokes of the plot of yeah. what they were able to gather from it. <laughs> I've been told it's breathtaking in 3D. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I, the 3D but, was great. I think I saw it in 3D. But I, from what I understand, it is a very, <laughs> it is a very nebulous, broad stroke plot. Yeah. So yeah, you may not have been missing as much it, as you it's think. It's true. It's true. But but honestly, my my, my short term attention span and memory was just completely shot. Um. <laughs> so and yeah, there's not doing now, that again. The one upside of of this election is like five more states. Have legalized recreational marijuana use. Yes. Because yeah. I'm sorry, like like the amendment that that made alcohol illegal, they just need to, need to do it nationwide. Because mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. It is it is better than alcohol in in its effects on people. Mm-hmm. And if alcohol is legal, I'm sorry. So should pot. And on top of it, with making pot legal just for recreational or medicinal Med- use. Yeah. Fucking hemp products. Come oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. We should be making all our paper out of hemp. Yes. Rope and clothing. Yeah. We shouldn't and be cutting Jesus. down fucking trees yeah. when, when hemp will regrow. It's so amazingly renewable. It's, Anyhow. It's, yeah. <laughs> so let's Little talk about topic. it. Monsters Feminine. Yeah. Oh, there was one other thing I wanted yes. to mention. You guys did see the news about the director of The Witch announcing the next movie they're making. No. No. A remake of Nosferatu. Oh, yes. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and didn't it, we hear about a remake coming up of um, of uh, Suspiria? And that was exciting for only one reason. Well, that who was working on it? It was like, was it Kate Blanchett or was it Tilda Swinton? I think it was Tilda Swinton. I think it was Tilda. 
Yeah, look yeah. that up. Yeah, but yeah, so a remake of Nosferatu by the director of The Witch. Well. Yes. I'm going to watch the shit out of that. Hell yeah. Oh, Jesus fucking guys. Chloe Grace Moritz. <laughs> I like her. I like her too. And Tilda Swinton. And Tilda Swinton. Okay. Yes. That's a touch screen? It's a touch screen. I had no idea. I just touched, <laughs> I just touched Jen's laptop screen. It went, oh, you want to go and, here? And it followed a link. And I was like, what magic is this? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I love, I love this on... Uh, Oh, who knows? Some kind of bullshit website. <laughs> Chloe Grace, Grace Mor- is it Moritz? I don't know how to. Tilda Swinton joined the Suspiria remake. That's apparently, apparently still, still happening. happening. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, that's actually you're, you're at uh, birthmoviesdeath.com, which that, I actually generally that... pretty like. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty entertaining. Um, the other remake that I heard rumored that that this idea just delights me, although I have no idea if it, the end result would actually be any good or not is I heard that there may be a remake of American Werewolf in London. Yes, oh, I heard that Directed too. by Max Landis, the yes, son the of son the original of, director. Yeah, I and I think that would be a super fun I idea. I've heard yes. about that, so. Yeah. So part of what's inspired this, and, and, and I'm going to get just fairly political here, like I haven't we, already. Like we never do. Yeah. Mm. Everybody sits there and, and states about Hillary Rodham Clinton that she wasn't a good candidate. Because of this or this or this. And she's a liar and she does this and she's... She's murdered people. She's I murdered, mean, you know, yeah. if you get into the real extreme... If you get into the real crazy yeah. people, yeah, that's that's some of the stuff they're saying. But the bottom line is, I, in my opinion, a lot of what cut her feet out from underneath her is the fact that the world is still incredibly sexist. You're not wrong. A lot. I, I agree with your opinion that a lot of what hampered her in the election is that she's a woman that she's wished a woman to be, that wished to be president how and dare she was a woman reaching for power mm-hmm. yeah because everybody loves her when she's doing a fucking job but the when she says i'm qualified i'm and here's, qualified here's and my I can qualifications do this, and you should listen to me and and everybody's out there shouting you know well where there's smoke there's fire and i'm like but the problem is they kept looking for smoke fanning smoke on her going but there must be some fire there and there was just you know a hundred of people with fans around her pointing the smoke at her and and to tie to tie in with the idea of the monstrous feminine that one of the one of the archetypes of monstrous feminine is the witch yes and during those last few weeks of the election there were ridiculous rumor mongering news stories coming out of the far right about how she dabbled in witchcraft in the 90s (laughs) to which i'm like bring it on i'm totally voting for this yes i'm even voting for her more i will exactly i i I saw one mention saying that 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 that, you know a rumor that she was a satanist and i was like i would have been phone banking for her if that were the case but but, it, but there is it a lot struck of me anger. at that point of there, yes. having to turn a strong woman into a monster, into yes. other. Yes, because there is a lot of what we discuss is going to be taking from the point of, of feminism and talking about how when you see women being strong, they have to be monsters. Yes. And that you either have to tame them or love them make them see reason which is in partially taming them or kill them yes and and the anger at women the crone mm-hmm. at the crone and the witch um that older women aren't supposed to take up space anymore we're not supposed to draw attention to ourselves 
we're supposed to fade quietly into the background. Mm-hmm. And let being the, supportive. Being supportive. And motherly doing, or grandmotherly. Motherly, grandmotherly, doing all the emotional labor. And frequently a lot of the the house labor, a lot of the, the nurturing, the taking care of the house and all that. And supporting the the leading actors yes. in our lives. Yeah. We are we are reduced to bit parts. And speaking of um movies that aren't specifically horror, but as soon as we talked about doing this, the three movies that immediately sprung to mind to me were uh the Manchurian candidate, um Mrs. Eleanor Shaw Islin, who which was his mother. There's gonna be some spoilers. She was basically behind his brainwashing mm-hmm. to make him into an unwitting assassin. Um and it's looked like, look how monstrous she is. Because not only is she older, seeking power, but she used her child. Right. Yeah. As, as, a, as a gun. Right. You know, um, suddenly last summer, Catherine Hepburn's uh, character as uh, a lure, and then finding a younger, more beautiful woman in Elizabeth Taylor to lure men to her murderous nephew. Um, and then also um, Angelica Houston's character in The Grifters, who in, you know, they are, they are literally a pair of grifters, a mother and son, um, who, you know, are out there taking anyone for everything they've got. And in the end, when things go horribly wrong, she literally tries to seduce her son using her sexual wiles yeah. against her child to get her way. Right. Because look how fucking horrible they are. They are bastardizing motherhood right and using their children and men are never asked can you be a father and a president right can you be a father how how are you going to balance parenting and your job as a ceo yes but there's always this question there's always that question what are you giving up what are you not doing well in order to do this job which you shouldn't be doing because instead you should be taking care of your home. Yes. Uh, and and there is this idea that the women are monsters for... If you choose to deviate from what the societal standard of traditional femininity is, mm-hmm. then you're a monster. Yeah. And it's... <sighs> it's weirdly internalized, even for those of us who think we've rejected those trappings yeah it's still really hard to come up against things like oh well i have to take care of all these other things in addition to my writing career and my day job wait why am i taking care of these yeah why why isn't this a shared task yeah and even when i bring it up i mean much to my husband's favor when i bring up these things about oh i have to do this his response is no, you don't. Yeah. That's not, no, you are focusing on other things. I will deal with that. Why do you think you have to do that? Yeah. And it goes back to a lot of issues in my childhood of how I'm hardwired to be a caretaker. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. yes. My pet yeah. pod is Kella Colin. Yeah, I know, I know. But that, <laughs> there's still that, you know, I, I very have defiantly rejected a lot of societal norms in the way I look, in the way I present myself, in the fact that I'm not a parent, that... Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that is but such... But there are still things that trip me up. Yes. And there is... I have friends... I have so many friends that are deliberately child-free. And having always wanted to be a mother and now am, mm-hmm. though, you know, I've also faced some criticism of, well, as soon as you have your child, you're going to find a way to stay home with them. Because once you have them, you know, everything else is going to become less important. And, and looking at them going, 
yeah, I really no. don't. I don't. I don't think so. And even <laughs> after my child was born, you know, there's a lot of guilt you face going back to work. And but I have the realization I'm a better mother because I work. Yes. And because I have that time away, and because I have the things in my life that I do that I have that I'm passionate about that don't involve my child. Right. I am. I am a better parent to her because of those things. But there is so much judgment on making that decision not to have children. Well. Wait until you read the meet the right person. Yeah, and well, that'll change when you get older and you get closer. When you hear that biological talk ticking, or you know, you're told how active, dare you think you know your own mind? Exactly. Yeah. You know, or you're not old enough to know that yet. And this is something, or you're selfish because yeah. I read a lot of vintage Gothic romances because mm-hmm. that is my my favorite trashy reading material. You know, decompress for a few hours, read lurid books with women in nightgowns running away from mysterious houses on the cover. Um, <laughs> I have I have gotten more discerning in this ridiculous popcorn genre because there are a lot of them that were written by dudes coming from the not true crime, but the the wannabe James Bond hard kicking Man of Adventure. Oh, like the Destroyer The Destroyer and the Executioner and stuff like that. And these guys realized they could make money churning out gothic potboilers. That's amazing. I had not realized the crossover there. every one of them has that, you know, oh, well, she's an independent girl with her career, but her mind, these horrible things will happen and her mind, she'll change her mind and she'll realize that she wants to settle down and be the little woman and raise, raise children for this, you know, dashing hero who rescues her. And who's going to run off as soon as they have the children and go do his job while she stays home with them. And I am catching these particular books faster and faster as I'm reading them earlier in the book to where I'm like, this is, why is this pinging me? Why is this weirdly denying a female agency? Oh, it was written by a dude. Well, I'm not going to bother finishing this one because at the heart of good potboiler gothic romances, it is the heroine having agency. It is her acting in her own best interests, solving what the mystery is. And sometimes the mystery is, oh, surprise, this guy is actually the reincarnation of your century's dead uncle, and he is going to try and kidnap you. Or surprise, you know... You know, that happens. It happens. Or, you know, surprise, the grandfather is trying to control the family will and pit the kids against each other. But it is the, it is the heroine actively seeking answers and not just passively waiting to be rescued and that's that's the difference between the two authoring styles and i am going to stand by my my now stated ideal that gothic romance vintage gothic romances are feminist books yeah they're feminist romances but they're feminist books (laughs) good one of the things that's really bothered me everybody throws up the final girl like of course these are feminist right what about the final girl like, it, she's the one who comes in and rescues everything. And yes, they have their own agency. Yes. Yes, they um, very thoroughly trounce the... the they find their inner girl power and, and defeat the, yeah. the bad guy. But it's problematic in the sense that a lot of times they're presented as the one who is pure. You know, I mean, you know, even, mm-hmm. you know, and even in Cabin in the Woods... You know, and she's the virgin. Well, I'm not actually. Well, you kind of are. You just, you know, you're just. Yeah. You're virgin-esque. Yeah. You know, and. Um, Virginian. Virginian. <laughs> <laughs> That's but not it, right. But it, it bothers me. And also I started realizing all of these movies where um, 
well, let's make her female so she'll be more docile. You know, splice and dren. Yeah. Um, species. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, God, what was the other one? Or, you know, sex bots where with Ex Machina of I'm going to build my, in Westworld, I'm going to make my own sex toy. Oh, wait. I programmed her too well and she actually has a brain and now she's laying waste to everything. Right. Um, like you do. Because, God, I fucking wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here's, here, here's your dark power and the power to kill things and, and there's this intent that the woman is going to go oh no I couldn't uh, spring mm-hmm. where you have this ancient monster yep. that is that is you know le- like Leviathan-esque of, of you know ageless has existed forever but boy that boy she met in Italy I'm, she's going to give up her mortality uh-huh. so that she can grow uh, old with him. Uh, and where you're looking at that, like, oh, you hooked up last weekend? Yes. And we love each other. Yeah, you will until, as I it, just very pointedly look at my wrist. Yeah. You will until like 27 days from now. <laughs> my my joke still is, you know, you know, I have I have said I'm going to grow up to become the vampire witch queen eventually. I've been saying this since I was a little girl. And my joke, especially on Tumblr, is, yeah, everyone thinks I'm joking about that when I finally ascend and everyone will be like, wow, Auntie Jilly always seemed so nice. We thought she was joking about there's a list of people she's going to kill. No, kids. I'm, I'm not. There's a list. There's, there's a list. list. There is a list. And yeah. which is why when those like morality memes go around, you know, if you had the power to kill someone with no repercussions, would you? And I'm like, oh, pumpkin, I am nowhere as nice as you think I am. Yeah. I strive very hard to be kind, but that is in part because I know at the core how vicious I can be. Yeah. That that was my joke before the election with, with um, the, the, the picture of um, uh, Light from Death Note. Uh, saying, <laughs> saying does any, is Donald Trump his full name? Does he have a middle name mm-hmm. or anything on Asking for a friend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, my thing is I'm, I'm ever so Minnesotan and I'm very kind. And and I like being kind to people. So do I. Um, the bottom line is, though, if you step too far with me, you're fucking dead to me. And I don't care what you think anymore. No. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a problem of I'm planning your death. You don't exist anymore and I don't care. Um, because I rewatched Into the Woods last night as a, a way, to, yeah. way to kind of <laughs> distract myself from everything. Nice is different than good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I can be kind because I can be fucking horrible too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'd like to see more horror movies and horror media or just media in general acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. That we're people. That we're people. It's one of the reasons I really liked Jessica Jones. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, she yeah. was messy and flawed and very human. Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, complete spoiler for let us pray is it still i mean I, I think you know no one who listens to this podcast was surprised when it ended up being my number one movie for last year and a lot of it was because i needed a woman that said um yes i needed a woman that said yes uh that she was completely lawful good uh she had landed in a cesspit of a villainy and a moral people, and 
at the very end of it was like, these people need to be stopped. My offer to you is we rid the world of them. I draw these people into the world and you take them down. And I think the entire people watching the movie were like, oh, she's going to go, no, I'm lawful good. And she's like, yes. I re- there needs to be a force. I remember yeah. after you watched it, you texted me in all caps glee about this. Yes. About can I spoil you for this movie? And I was like, absolutely, tell me yeah. about it. And then the inst- right after you showed it, like 30 seconds after that last scene, I was immediately on Amazon on my phone going, and I'm buying it now. You, you could absolutely argue that she's still lawful good at the end of that movie. Yeah. You yeah. know, she wants the unjust. But she, but she can also be the sword. Yeah. Yes. She wants the unjust to be. But I mean, she, she's basically uh, the Punisher. Yes. You know, yes. At that point. What you yes. just described yes. is her superhero origin story. <laughs> but yeah. the, the frequently denying women the power of their own of their own malevolence, of their own narrative. And this is where my predictable rant is coming in, so you all, you guys can, can just nod at me. But Penny Dreadful, Vanessa Ives, prophesied to be the mother of evil. Lucifer and his brother, searching for her through centuries... She is destined to become the bride of darkness. If she joins with Lucifer, darkness will overcome the world and lay waste to mankind. Lucifer is constantly tempting her with, love me, and we will rule over an empty earth from our throne of skulls. And she is tempted. She, that is the whole Who wouldn't be tempted by that? That is the whole crux of the show, of that she is constantly tempted Dracula, by this. Dracula is tempting her and says... She's like, I won't serve you. And he's like, oh, no. No, I will, I will serve, serve you. you. And suddenly she's like, and yes. <laughs> and yes. And that that final season of Penny Dreadful where, A, they brought in Dracula and I went into complete high-pitched fangirl hysterics. An interesting portrayal of Dracula. Yes, he was great. Dracula has been a not frightening character. And even, like, a not really interesting character for years. He's a cipher. Yes. And and having him fleshed out in Penny Dreadful as this... A mastermind. Museum and curator and a mastermind. And... It was the most interesting... It was a very, very interesting per- portrayal. And, also and I was came, looking forward to that next fucking season. Yes, because at, when he said, Oh, no, I will serve you. And Vanessa finally accepted her dark power. And at the end of that episode, I was punching the air. I was gleefully dancing around the house. I'm like, yes, this setup for the next season, it's a complete setup where she's going to be, you know, the mother of evil. There's going to be this darkness over the land. She is going to be the big bad that the other characters are going to have to band together and take down. That would have been amazing. And that would have been amazing. And instead, no, we don't get any, any sections of her having embraced her power spoilers for penny dreadful i think we're past that point <laughs> well no um we are we, we have, are we are pretty spoiler heavy at this point but we are going to be absolutely spoilerific okay. jump ahead a couple of minutes yes if you have not seen it because we are now talking about the last two episodes and again we jump into fucking man pain of the entirety of what she goes through at this point is we throw aside her story. She doesn't even exist in the last episode and a half. 
She she exists merely to beg one of the other characters to kill her because she can't live like this. There is no there is no showing of her struggle to come to this decision. Nope. It's just her in a long white dress looking very tragically pretty. And then she dies. And then and, fridged, basically. And she's fridged because the last 10 minutes of the last episode, which when it was aired, nobody knew was the last episode of the series ever, is this protracted funeral uh, for her. Of all of them. And in all the men. Being, being really super sad. Being sad. Because it isn't about her loss. It's about their man pain. Of yes. Losing her. Of the symbol of what she was to them. Not even who she was, was as a person. Which is kind of like that discussion that I've had with you of The Girl Next Door. Where um, oh God, the, movie, movie. the movie that you told me not to oh, yeah. you know, watch. Fuck that movie. I, I would like um, to go back in time and tell myself not, not, not to, to watch, watch that it. movie. Yeah. And basically the, the main person telling the story is one of the young boys basically torturing her or witnessing the torture of witnessing, her. Really. Witnessing, yeah. And, which is based on a true story. Because fuck yeah. that woman. Yeah. Um, really, really fuck that woman. Um, and a lot of the point of in the movie is him like, shouldn't I have done more? And it's like, you're making well, this. Well, yeah, you should have. Yes, you should have. <laughs> but making it about his man pain rather yeah. than her protracted painful death, death. Yes. of being tortured to death. Yes. And, and But that's completely accepted as a storytelling because... We are just as women are only here for character growth. We are for big the characters. We, yes, that, for in a our lot, own stories. Yes, and that's. I, I really would like to see even just once a story in which a male character is fridged to show the woman's tragic reaction to it. <sighs> and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. I there was something. The hunger. Okay. All right. You, you that that's a fair case to me. Actually, looking at the hunger. In, in the realm, because I am a bad goth. I really don't like <laughs> The Hunger very much. I find it very boring. No, oh, to be a good goth, you only have to like the first five minutes or something. I love... Eight and a half minutes. Eight and a half first, minutes? Okay. Up see. till Anne Magnuson <laughs> showing up and and just knowing deep down in your heart that Anne Magnuson like, fucked up... Multiple times. Multiple times so that she continue making out. Yeah. With David Bowie? Hell yeah. Yes. That is... I... Yes. We salute you, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. That, you... That's the only part of the movie you have to like in order to keep your goth card. Yeah. But honestly, looking at it as... I'm like, but David Bowie is gone. But honestly, she is... She is a monster. She is. Who lives for her pleasure and, and her sadness at once her toys aren't her toys to play with anymore. Yes. Because yeah. she keeps them all beautifully in her attic. They're all still there. With they're beautiful not, goth curtains. With their, yeah, and they're not exactly dead. They're just not... They're not fun anymore. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes she goes up there and is sad that her toys aren't fun anymore. Yes. And then goes downstairs and finds another new, you know, nubile woman or or handsome man to fill her bed. Yes. And that is that is her purpose. And and, and honestly, I'm like, I actually like this movie more now. Go her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if I could have Susan Sarandon and David Bowie, like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to be a soulless monster that's occasionally sad, but I get David Bowie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I get the one after him. Yeah. And all the ones before him. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sign and, me up. And why do I get to do this? Because I can. Because I can. <laughs> and my wants are... Paramount. Yes. Yeah. And with men, that is always seen. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
Yeah, and, and the thing is, is when women are the ones who, who take those actions, and honestly, this has made me look at May a little bit more, mm-hmm. because she does mm-hmm. occasionally kill and, and, and builds the things that she loves and does monstrous things yeah. to make herself happy. Yes. And in the end, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That, that final shot of May... Yeah. I'm not even that huge of a fan of that movie, and that ending is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. I haven't and, seen it in forever. Oh, I wish I liked it more. But you know what? I showed Dracula for you last year, and yeah. I don't yeah. enjoy that movie very much. <laughs> I know. Well, we, maybe I'll show May. Maybe. So, you know, women as monsters. I mean, you have um, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, Nico Pandemonium, which was a an old movie, which they... Yeah. Right. Anyway, I'm probably saying it improperly, and then people are just going to laugh at me. Well, you know, don't read the Latin. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess I I don't know exactly the points that I feel are important to make in this conversation. Well, then, why don't I start talking about the points that Barbara Creed made in her book? Yes, please. The, uh, The Monstrous Feminine. Uh, she was a, uh, Marxist, actually, I don't know if it's was or is, I'm, she, I think she's still with us, actually, so I shouldn't be using the past tense, uh, is a, a Marxist, uh, feminist film critic, um, much like Mulvey, who, who came up with, you know, the, uh, the male gaze. Right. And her, her book is kind of a reaction about that, and and saying that unlike Mulvey, she, she observed and, 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 and based her work (laughs) largely on horror and slasher films. Um... And what one of the main points that she made is, and this is a, a direct quote, I will argue that when woman is represented as monstrous, it is almost always in relation to her mothering and reproductive functions. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that's really kind of striking me, even just looking through things, is, is when you start um, factoring in women coming into their own sexuality, or women owning their sexuality, but... Um, there's so many movies that are based around that burgeoning sexuality of creating a monstrousness. Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Um, Ginger company, Snaps is... company of Wolves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, um, teeth. Teeth, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer's Body, which isn't really so much. Mm. That's more of a... It's more of in the line of, of the craft of, no, I, of, I... of um, feminine relationships. Female friendships, but I would argue that it's still also very monstrous feminine because Jennifer very consciously uses her her sexuality and her mm-hmm. desirability as the popular hot girl to get her food. Yeah. Yes. The five archetypes that uh, Creed divides these ideas into is the archaic mother. In other words, the, the, just basically like the infant's idea of, you know, the mother as world. This warm basically, presence, yeah. Just, and the monstrous womb. Mm-hmm. The witch the vampire, and the possessed woman. Okay. Um, and so for The Monstrous Womb, you end up with movies like, uh, well, like the dream sequence in The Fly, for yeah. example. Uh, um, Roseberry's Baby, uh, The Brood. You know, all, all the, these ideas that, this, that that a woman could call into the world, you know, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Right. Then one of the movies that really struck me was when we watched the Babadook, which oh my god, I actually got <laughs> Mr. Babadook my the the, the, the pop book, up book the pop up book that which um, is so awesome. Oh my god, it's beautiful. It is worth every moment of time past when they said they're going to be two years yeah. basically. Yeah, it was 
Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's the, a year overdue, if yeah. not a year and a half overdue. This started life as a as a Kickstarter project. Yeah. And the whole time we've been getting updates saying we are but making I think the sure it's here, but we just want it to be perfect. We and want it, it to be perfect. perfect. Yeah. It yeah. is fucking perfect, um, and beautiful. But one of the things I loved about the Babadook, um, is she's she's a she's a mother who, yes, a little bit is is worrying about her capacity. To be a mother and to be a good mother because right. her her son is problematic. Right. He's he's a difficult child. Um, there's a grieving where he is acting out um, and is not a very likable child. And there is this point. I am sorry. I love the shit on my kid. And there were points where I won't say I hate my daughter, but there are points where I felt... I was doing everything wrong and I felt trapped in it. Right. Yeah. Or that I wasn't being enough and and there was nothing I could do. It was it was irretrievably broken. Right. And there was so much fear I had based in my parenting. And it's things you get through. Mm-hmm. But I think every parent has that moment where they're like, What the fuck did I do? I yeah. made you a know, terrible I've mistake made, and made, there's no way back from it. Yes, because and, and we don't talk about that much in our stories. No at all. No, we don't. You know, and, you know, I mean, I I made the joke midway through that movie and in a bunch of other movies whenever there is a child in danger. And I was, you know, I was talking to Jim about it recently that um, it's really hard because a lot of what's going on is putting marginalized people in danger. Yes. A lot of what is going on right now with, you know, Trump coming into his presidency is it just normalized a lot of hate. Yes. And we are seeing a lot of acting out with... Um, with hate crimes. With hate crimes, um, abuse of women, abuse of minorities. Um, uh, we've had more hate crimes in the wake of this election than we've had in the wake of 9-11. Yeah. I saw yeah. an article about that the other day. And, uh, you know, um, one of the things that really struck me is a lot of what is being pushed is, is you need to, you know, people need to step in more. People need, if you... It's a horrible. It's a horrible slogan from the London Underground trying to combat terrorism, which is if you see something, say something. Yeah. But it really. Isn't that the Ghostbusters motto? It, <laughs> thank you. But but it it, it applies it applies in this situation. Yeah. If you see hateful actions, if you see hate speech, if you see someone being harassed. Step up. Don't stand passively by. Yeah. Either go... And and actually, there's a wonderful uh, cartoon that is being shared about. You don't have to confront somebody. No. Sometimes all you need to do is is film. You Everybody's got mm. a camera phone mm-hmm. on them. Film it. Film what's happening after the person's left. Make sure they're okay. Yes. So many people, like, advert their eyes and don't get involved because they don't know what to do. But they need to know that they're not alone. But what they say specifically to do is don't interact with the abuser. Right. Go over, sit down next to the person who is being attacked, and just start talking to them. Yes. Pretend they're your friend. Say, oh, I've been looking for you. You know, I've kind of built up a little thing in my mind that I'm going to pull out my phone and I'm going to be like, have you seen pictures of my cat? (laughs) And just sit with them and show them things and interact with something we are actively not Paying, paying attention, attention to the abuser. And then you just, in and they even if they start, because a lot of times it just diffuses the situation. Yes. The thing is, there is a danger and, in that. And that's, and that's basically the, the ending of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I don't give them power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. But, you know, it's a, and, and also there was a joke that I made, though, in The Babadook, where I was like, you need to yell for your mom. Uh-huh. Because your mom will come in there and she will fuck some shit up. Yes. And, and I was talking about it with, with Jim that um, I don't care how big someone is. If they are putting my child in danger, I will bo- do my best to yeah. probably kill them. Yes. Yes. Um, and because there is, you know, there is no fury like mine if you try and hurt those that are mine. Exactly. Um, so, but yeah, it's just... Uh, no, I, I get it. I get it. And it is... I... And there's... I've always struggled with where does that fall on the scale of this person, this small person is yours and you love them versus seeing them as property? Yeah. Yeah. Because... What, well, a thing that I've had trouble with is um, I have seen a bunch of parents where they're like, you need to control what they watch or what they see because you are the purveyor of taste to them. Like, if you don't control what they want, they will like things that are terrible. Right. And I am actively not that parent where I'm like, I let her, she can listen to as much as pop. I will provide that pop if that's what she wants to listen to because I'm going to give her access to everything the world has to offer coming to music or books or, or movies, but she gets to make her own calls in those because I am not trying to make a clone of myself. I am trying to raise a person who makes their own decisions about what they do and don't enjoy. Children um, should be not your prop, not your property, not an extension of you. Yeah, they're their own little people. And, and making a clone of yourself never ends well. If it does, no, it yeah. no, yeah. it doesn't. They're just gonna kill you and then go on their merry way. Yes, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 I certainly, you know, have, have struggled with that from an entirely different direction of of just in in romantic relationships of being very protective of the person I'm in a romantic relationship with. Of considering that person mine, but not considering them property. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. not... It's a very... It's a yeah. it's a narrow line. It and... is, yeah. You know, because you don't want to fight someone's battles for them. Yes. But you also want to stand up for them. Yes. And... Actually, one of the... Um, and and I, I don't want to hold up Jim as this paragon of, of, of anything. Well, I was trying to hold myself up as one, so go ahead. True. Um, not all men. Not all men, yes. Not, not, not all gyms. Um, he, he gets his user tag on. It, is it really? Yeah. On, yes. Yeah. Oh my god, that, that's amazing. Um, there was some political argument I was getting in with somebody. It might have been talking about a feminist issue. And he stepped in and he was like arguing with them. And it was getting more and more heated. Right. And all of a sudden I noticed him messaging me. And he said, have I gone too far and does that bother you? And I'm like, no, have Adam, honey. And he goes, well, this is an important issue and it's an important issue to you. And my job here is to stand beside you and not stand in front of you. Right. That's well said. And I was like, like, where did my panties go? (laughs) (laughs) They just, they were here a moment ago and now they're gone. But yeah, no, it was it was it was a, a, a fantastic moment. It made me realize that I, you know, I'm starting to have a I have a true partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I don't need somebody. I don't. I'm I'm nobody's Guinevere that they need to charge into battle and 
and conquer everything. I need somebody who's going to stand beside me and, and, and assist me in fighting my own battles because I am thoroughly capable of fighting my own battles. I need a Mallory to my Mickey. That's, <laughs> oh. that's what I've always said. <laughs> God, I hate that movie. <laughs> I'm not about to hold it up as a good movie. I'm just saying yeah, I like no, it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking of movies, though, we're, we're, we're starting to run a little bit on the longest side with this episode. We should yeah. probably uh, start talking, talking about, movies? about some of these examples that we have here. Yeah. Uh, and one that I really want to bring up, uh, because of just how much reproductive imagery is in it, is Alien. That's what I yeah. was thinking of. Because um, that just transgresses and also what I really... proper reproductive lines in so many ways. Yes. yes. And, and that's... Yeah. One of the things, I mean, I really love it for the alien queen, but one of the mm-hmm. other things that I really like is um, of Ripley not being stereotypically female and, and yeah. being a strong woman who's taking the actions that need to be taken regardless of whether or not, you know, and also even, um, oh my God, has anybody ever confused you for a man? No, oh, Vasquez. Vasquez. Vasquez, you know, no, has, has have you, have you? Have you? Um, but, you know, I love that, that strong woman who is dangerous and, um, and ruthless yes. and powerful. Uh, and speaking of Crimson Peak. Yes. I mean, you, you kind of see, um, Mia, uh, what, um, Mia Wachowski's Wachowski, character. Edith. Edith's character come into her own. Yes. And very much choosing a path that isn't, you know, she, she, what was it? She's, she, she wanted to be a widow, a widow. Oh, not. she would rather be Mary Shelley. She died a widow. Yeah. Yes. But honestly, who really has, um, is, is, uh, Jessica Chastain's character. Lucille. Yeah. Lucille. Lucille's amazing. Yes. She is. She is the one who is keeping, she is, she is keeping everything in order. She, she is keeping strong. keeping everything. She's running the house. She's. Picking her brother's victims. That's one yes. of the. That's one of the early signs of his change of heart. Is that he does not go along with the future bride slash corpse that Lucille picked. He doesn't. He doesn't go with that girl. He instead chooses Edith, and that's something that in the in the scene in the park where before Thomas has proposed to Lucille, where or before Thomas has proposed to Edith, where Lucille's reminding him, you need to do this. You chose her. And she's very much reminding him, this is a choice you made against my will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's just something really amazing about those those female characters that are, and in a way they almost kind of, they, they lose their femininity mm-hmm. and they become, they're, they're, they're done as, as things of powerful forces. Yes. Because they're defying their role. I mean, Isabella Jante's character in Possession mm-hmm. of becoming driven by her sexual need yes. to throw away her relationship, mm-hmm. throwing away her her parental role. Despite the fact that there's another much more literal monster in that film, she is the monster is, of yes. that film. Yes. Which fascinates me. Yes. And um and also in that same vein of of monstrousness and only taking what she wants is um Asami's character in audition. Oh of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because That's... she very much lays a trap. You know, everything in the very beginning of that movie is very much laying bait. Yeah. Uh which is in the same sense, um, 
I still haven't watched it, but I've I've read through is Hard Candy. Oh I love God, Hard Candy. that was so good. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous to watch I, that. It was one. Really but well, it's very I, much I, of a uh, a female because she's very young. Yes, but using all of those perceptions of of what you want of in, what you want and what what a young girl is. Yes, yeah. and completely... Hard Candy is actually best watched in a theater with an audience that has a bunch of men in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet that was... Hilarious. Yeah, I bet. Um, the well, stepmother in Hellraiser. Yeah, well, that's someone I really wanted to mention. She's, she's actually, the main figure that I think of yes. with, with this topic. And But also, what's I was also going to bring up Julia, and then but also the, the daughter, because as the series progresses, she starts pulling people in for the Cenobites. Yeah. yeah. She's basically giving them fodder, and she's kind of using it to get rid of terrible people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's exactly that of like, I'm I'm making this judgment. I'm considering my my judgment on this. I am your judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. And that's very much a lot of the times I less accepted which for a woman. Well, that was you're talking about, but it's basically the only one past two that I actually really like. Yeah. yeah. But Julia, you know, in that, in that first movie, she's a monstrous figure just in terms of her love and obsession is a powerful enough force that she's willing to kill for it. And then in the second movie, she becomes even more literally monstrous, which yes. I thought was was an excellent path. And honestly, I really wish she, she would have just straight up become a Cenobite. Yeah. yeah. Because that was one of the things that really bothered me is is doing a little more, bit more research is the one female Cenobite is literally just called the female. Yeah. That's true. And that shouldn't be a yeah. particularly unique yeah. qualifier. So, so she's sort of a Cenobite. You're going to kick me out of your house now, aren't you? <laughs> That's the end of this podcast. And I don't mean this episode. I mean, Jan isn't talking to me anymore. So the podcast is going to become increasingly awkward. <laughs> um, a movie that I, I've had trouble with that I kind of want to see, but I kind of don't, is Ms. 45. Uh, basically, there is a... She's, like, she's mute. Mm-hmm. And basically, she gets raped twice in one day Mm. and goes crazy and just goes on a rampage killing basically every man she runs across um and and it's very this very stylized because the pictures um have her with these she's this actress has these beautiful lush lips that she does this this just gash of of red and she's wearing like uh yeah of um and then she wears like a nun's have it and is just oh. murdering people oh, fucking that. left and okay. right and it just it's it's very much it's abel ferrara this sounds um, terrible and i really want to see it it's yeah it was 81 <laughs> and it was very yeah. um she you know she goes into new york after dark and randomly kills men with a 45 caliber gun um and it's it's it was kind of thrown up as kind of feminist but feminist <sighs> in this really shitty way as viewed by men um and yeah. and and, yeah. and let's you know have her be raped, not just raped, but raped twice, twice. in one day. Yeah, I... I can think of more than one movie that that. You know, yeah, yeah. Trope Unfortunately, is. that's a plot trope. That I'm trying to remember. Oh, the other thing that that the movie you just talked about reminds me of is a terrible fucking movie that I saw, and that's Nurse Three D. Oh God! Yeah, that sounds awful. It is. It's wow. really, really bad. But but this also is that is someone who just starts you know taking her revenge on mm-hmm. 
men in general, don't watch this film. This is I, a bad no, film. No. <laughs> you know, and there's just, you know, there's a bunch of movies that have a real interesting take on on women in their roles. I mean, I still want to see Excision yeah. at some point. And that's another movie that kind of, you know, is a woman, a, a young girl, especially, with a controlling mother, which leads to its own problematic. Problems. And, um, but of her creating her own path and it's it's a rather murderous path and it is just you know and um oh i know someone that that i thought we should bring up when when we were talking about julia is uh, helen from Candyman. and i'm talking here about the very ending of the film yeah i mean there is a little bit of her accepting her dark power and there are ways i mean we've talked she doesn't choose it as strongly as i would like she gives into it yes and, you know, we've had discussions that, you know, the second Hellraiser should have really been the story of Hell. It should have. Yeah. Killing her swath yeah. through. Yes, absolutely. Through the city. Absolutely. Um, but pretty much as soon as the movie ended oh. and, and oh, she's here, gotten here's... done dying, then her story is completed. Hey, yeah. Here, here, here's your story for Candyman 2, for what it should have been, <laughs> is you, you've got Helen, you know, as, as the, this, this killer figure that the people are calling on, and someone... Gets the idea of calling up the Candyman to try to stop what he created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I so you know, I mean, we've been going on to this for a long time. I don't feel like we've. I would have liked to have done re- more research before doing this. The bottom line is, we need better. Yes. We um, deserve. Go ahead. Did you guys ever? No, I don't. We did. Uh, you guys uh, at dinner were saying that you really wanted to talk about the witch. So before we wrap this up, what do you have any? I love the witch. I and and I love I love how stylized it is. Um, I felt no need to own a copy of it, hmm. but I loved it. Yeah, I, I was and, very and the strongly fact impressed is, with it. Is in a lot of situations, you know, I mean, she she was stuck. The only way that she was going to continue, because honestly, if she hadn't accepted spoilers for the witch, if she hadn't accepted her dark power and become a witch, she was going to get fucking strung up. Yeah. They were going to kill her. Your choices you know, are be killed for crimes or become a literal handmaiden of Satan. Yeah. But she enthusiastically embraces it, though, I think. Yeah. Yes. So, oh, yes. Well. Oh, yeah. She's, yes. She's, she's very happy about yeah. getting a pretty dress and getting to eat butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I have that I thought we, we should really at least mention is Carrie. I was just thinking about that the yeah. other day and how there is a part of me that wants to see a reimagining of it where Carrie lives. Yeah. Yeah. I really want I, that. I am so tired of of they came into their dark power. Quick, kill them. Kill them. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'd be happiest if, if if you wanted to try to stick to the the, the storyline of the original it, that she fakes her death. Yes. You yeah. Can, you can go with that. And, well, it's and, also, yeah. I mean, and and the thing is, is I I don't have this. I I almost wish Jim were here, but it's that Jean Grey story of in order for her to be able to exist, we have to hobble her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's retold a bunch of different ways because when she does come into full power you know she's this amazing force that discretion discretion that can't be reckoned with yeah and and because women can't handle their power right 
there's no suggestion that she might be able to, after she gets used to the idea of having this terrifying power, that she'll handle it. Oh, yeah. no, no. Um, we must control her. Yeah. That just struck me. The only other story that I can think of from Stephen King uh, that, that deals with, you know, a, 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 a woman's dark power is uh, Firestarter. And that's an even more literal child than yes. Carrie was. I can't think of any examples in which he's had a female figure in that kind of yeah dark power well i mean even you look you look at annie wilkes and misery and she is a woman who completely has a man within her power right and in order for him to escape you know he has to kill her right yeah (laughs) yeah but but that boy i feel so much better about everything i can't wait to see you again in two weeks (laughs) but but that's not not even quite the same kind of thing with with, with both carrie and with firestarter they're they're kind of heroes they're kind of anti-heroes yeah Yeah. and there there isn't an adult figure like that no there isn't because I've actually been rereading through a bunch of Stephen yeah. King lately. Because, I mean, for me, as a man who's writing horror, it, it's just crucial to me to make sure that, that my female characters, especially, you know, female lead characters, have agency in a story, have are, are, are not just props or trophies or anything that, that women tend to be in, in popular fiction. Yes. Um... But uh, I'm sure I had some greater point I was trying to make with that, and it's gone now. I know. I mean, there's there's stuff that I really wanted to touch on that is the woman being seen as powerful yet odd and slightly inhuman and slightly evil. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in that uh, line of the, the Bene Gesserit from Dune, mm-hmm. where they are alien and manipulative and evil yet powerful. Um, I think of um, the, the um, mother... And the uninvited, and uh, and her best friend who yeah. has her portrait of of uh, is it Mrs. Danvers? Is that her name? Oh, from Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Danvers. Where she's you know trying to control from behind the scenes, right. and and for her love of you know the the long gone Rebecca, um, but and and there's just this idea of these women trying to control things and being seen as as evil and they they almost always kill them yes or leave them destitute because you have to strip their power away yes um and it's just i guess i just one of the few movies where i've seen where they have a woman slash creature where they don't but they still pair her off as a, a girl walks home alone at night. Yes. I mean, the vampire in that has been a force for how long? And and she's alien and, and odd, but yet they send her, you know, they have that, you know, um, that going off into the distance with a man and his cat. Yes, yes. and no. I don't get the feeling that that's going to change or redeem her in any way. That's not the, mm. this feeling I get from that ending. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as opposed to Spring. You know, right. Yeah, where, where it's just right. like... <laughs> where, where, where we he's, love each other. <laughs> and he has made everything better with his magic dick. I love you so much. <laughs> in, 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 in the case of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, I think she's going to enjoy being with him until she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. True, true, true. true. One, yeah. of, one of the movies that... Or I should say two of the movies, because there's the original version and the American version. Um, let the right one in. Yes. Let, let me in. Mm-hmm. 
in a way, because I read the novel before I saw the movies. Oh, okay. and, Which is very much more. And I wish that they hadn't had the gender issue they have with Eli mm-hmm. in there, because I think it's a much more effective story if Eli is a girl, because also in the book, her adult caretaker, their adult caretaker, is in the book a pedophile. pedophile. And that you get this sense of Eli deliberately lured them and groomed them yeah. and then has them doing going out and getting food for Eli for the continual promise of affection. Yeah. And and I loved the idea at the end of of the book and the two movies of that Eli is just grooming the replacement. Yeah. yeah. This bo- Oscar doesn't mean yes. anything. He's I, just the replacement. That, that's the what I one. love about that ending is it feels like a happy ending. And, and it's, it's it's really it's really not. not. Yeah. I don't know. Now I'm just now I'm just sadder. Now I'm just sad. I don't feel better. I don't feel like I yelled enough. There should have been more yelling. <laughs> but now I'm just I'm resigned to the fact that it's not better. I mean this I know I mean if if anybody else is listening to um oh god what is the the gaming the woman who's just being fucking ripped apart for making those videos about feminism and gaming. Oh oh Sarkeesian? Yeah, Anita. I'm not sure. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold Anita. on, I'm just trying to find Oh, the feminist frequency where she's talking about presentation of women yes. in gaming and she is just being harassed horribly. Um and literally threatened <laughs> because she's, because, pointing, out because she's pointing out these things that dear God, let's make them a little bit better than they are. Yeah. And this, I mean, <laughs> right? I feel like this episode isn't going to be fun at all. I don't feel like I've been enlightening or, or funny enough or <laughs> I know I just feel really whiny. <laughs> I have. No, it's not whiny. I, this past week has completely sapped my will to write. Obviously yeah. this is, it is hard to focus I on anything. I feel like this is anything. so important that somebody better than me should have been making <laughs> these points. But because when I get my will to write back, when I'm able to focus on something other than our looming dystopian future and to where I can I can get to where I am cre- actively creating things again, one of my goals is to create things that subvert those tropes. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, that's what needs to be done. And that's part of what I feel... You know, like I've said, I think the one thing, oh my God, the punk music and horror movies that are going to come. That's, yeah, that's not. That, I, that, <laughs> I've thought about it. It's going to be too. awesome, yeah. except not because uh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. But, but absolutely one of the things that I have very much decided is, is I'm going to, like, I saw the meme that went around that said, if you thought I was a fucking annoying feminist under Obama wait till you see the fucking feminist I'm going to be under Trump Yeah, and it has made me even more um, adamant to stand out to take up space to um, use you as an example to to stand out more to not fit the norm to be defiantly weird to be defiantly weird I mean I've always been an odd duck and now I'm like, you know what? I don't have to fucking pretty up shit anymore because I don't exist. I am not the cute girl anymore. I, you know, I exist because of what I have to say and what my intent is 
and the place that I am going to create and leave in the world after me. And so I am going to be a fucking loud noise. Yes, absolutely. And, and I'm going to stand out so that you notice me as I speak. I turned 48 on Thursday. There are not a lot of examples of aging weirdly out there. Even there's, there's more. There's more. But I mean, I've noticed even if you look at the, oh God, that wonderful blog of photos of oh, women. yes, yes. Um, women in, in New York, older women who are dressing eccentrically. Yeah. And it. it's, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's this one photographer who goes around photographing the older women who are fabulously dressed, who are very eccentric, who who are being very visible and very That's fantastic. But and this is this is gonna sound like nitpicking, but one of my few complaints with this blog and these images is that they're all uniformly almost entirely thin white women yeah yeah they're they're breaking the mold slightly by dressing eccentrically and that's great and i support them and i want them to do that i want even wider visibility i want visibility for women of color who are aging and aging amazingly fiercely and outside of the norm i want visibility for women advanced style advanced style that's okay. it i want women i want visibility for women who are not petite, who are not yeah. real thin. And I have seen. I mean, there's there's one, but I mean, it's one out of 20. Yeah. And, and then, I want that number to go up. Oh, absolutely. And there was, um, I'm, I literally saw it go past me uh, on Facebook literally in the last 48 hours. But it was a photo series that was done in Britain. And it was primarily done in the 70s because a ton of them were punks. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it did was it recreated those photos with the people today. Oh, how awesome. And, you know, some of them are even more fucking fabulous than yeah. they are now. But, you know, one of them was kind of a guy that was kind of wandering kind of aimlessly. And you can tell, obviously, now he's absolutely homeless. Yeah. You know, and then you have, like, you know, the punks who've gotten a little more staid. And yeah. then the one who's used the fact that his hair has gone absolutely white, that he's absolute big blue beard, big blue hair. That's awesome. And um, it was just um, fantastic. But, I mean, it was a little bit of, you know, then and now and people who have. And, I've you know, I've been seeing, you know, I remember getting an argument on, on Oh No They Didn't, where it was talking about, like, punk and goth. And... Some, you know, teenager laid into me that, you know, oh, my God, if you're of a certain age, like, you shouldn't even fucking be here. And, and oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, you're still professing to be goth at this and this age. And I'm like, how fucking old do you think Susie Sue is right now? <laughs> yeah. Like, the first, what was it, like, 77? I'm like, the yeah. people who fucking created punk and goth and post-punk, like... They were doing this in, you know, 76, 77, 78, 79. Like, they're still fucking doing that. Exactly. Do you, do you think they're not in their 50s and 60s right now? Like, and, they, and, but they still exist. Like, stop trying to make them not exist. And do these kids really assume that at a certain point they're going to flip a switch in their lives and just talk about mortgages? Yes, and... they do, because that's coming up in fandom. There's been a, lo- yeah. a huge backlash in fan well not backlash but there's a huge movement in fandom of the fandom elders having to say we were here before you we built the bones of what you are now on 
you need to respect us. You don't stop being fanish when you hit 30. And yeah. one of the or things 40 or 50. And one of the things I've I've dealt with is because I don't look like what someone thinks a woman approaching 50 yeah. looks like. I get a lot of people who a tell me I look young for my age, which on is the one hand nice is flattering, on the other hand is I fucking earned every I, fucking year I am. Yes. Yeah. I have made it this far and I'm going to make it a hell of a lot farther. They, they mean that as a compliment. They mean it as a compliment. That, which means that there's something wrong with, with being actually looking your, your age. age. Yeah. And the other thing is, is I still get a lot of people who don't want to accept what my age is because I choose to present myself with wacky hair color and eccentric clothing. Mm -hmm. Because I am supposed to have grown out of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, it's I am supposed to accept my aging gracefully, quote-unquote, and become a crone and fade into the background. To okay. which, fuck that. No. Yeah. yeah. Look at me as I fucking take up space and your space. Yes. Yeah. And tell you why you need to be a better person. Yeah. But you're supposed to be nice, Auntie Julie. Oh, and I am. Well, I'm kind. I'm kind, Auntie Julie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Anyhow. You know what? What this needs to be is the beginning of a conversation. This is not the end of a conversation. This yeah. needs to be the beginning of a conversation with you and us. So a lot of our a lot of our podcasts, we know there are people out there listening. Talk to us more. Comment on Facebook. Please. Comment we, we on our website. You. We want this to be a conversation. We want to hear your points. We want to hear your points if you agree with us or don't agree with us. But we need to talk. Yes. We need to all be loud. We all need to be heard. We all need to vote. Yeah. The biggest problem with this election is something like 44% of the people who technically could have voted didn't. People need to let their voices be heard. Um, begin a conversation. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a completely different note that's rather selfish, uh, please, uh, in order to get our uh, podcast known, if you rate and review on iTunes, um, it basically ups our ratings so that more people can see that we exist and that we're having a conversation here. So we can be visible. So that we can be visible and, and, and speak to people. Um, I can't wait to talk to you again in two weeks. Um, this is Jennifer Lovely. I'm Julian Venters. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm Michael Montour. If you visit our website at www.don'tleadthelatin.com, you'll be able to find uh, links to all of our respective individual websites. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you around on the internet and we'll talk to you in two weeks.